0: Thank you so much. Hello. Good to see you. And, uh, of course, hello to everybody who's watching us uh, online. We're so delighted that you're with us uh, today. I know that there's a lot of people uh, watching who are on holiday and from different parts of the world. So, uh, you're part of the family. Welcome. I uh, just want to give you a little update, uh, as all, has already been mentioned, baptisms uh, tomorrow night. Um, uh, so obviously we're trying to manage capacity of the venue over there. We don't wanna we have too many people in. So um, if you can join us online for that tomorrow night, uh, we'd love you to do that. If you go into the YouTube channel, you can see all the details for that. Uh, also, if you're in Leicester, we're delighted to let you know the brand new venue, Leicester, uh, from uh, next Sunday. What date's next Sunday? The uh, what? 19th? So Sunday, 19th of uh, September, Leicester Prep School. And uh, so that's where uh, the venue's going to be for Leicester services, and you're going to love it. Live services, you know, that they've been watching, like, watch parties and things like that before that. Now it's live services. I hope hope Patrick Jonah Dykes is not leading the worship because I've heard his singing, you know. But uh, no, it's going to be great. So make sure that you, you bear that in mind. Also, for anybody in Nottingham who's watching Arnold last Sunday night, we had the official launch and uh, lots of people in of course lots of people in fact what what really encouraged me last uh, sunday night at arnold was uh, somebody who had been coming to our leicester campus and then they got a job in uh, the north of nottingham where we are based and um, and she was like so happy last sunday night she said i live like just five minutes away from the from the so she said this is like the happiest day of my life so she's back and uh, we're very very happy about that she's a wonderful person so make sure you come and join us 6 p.m and arnold if you go onto the website you'll see all the details about that and then the last thing i got to let you know about as well and i'm really excited about this um so we've got something new um going to be launching this uh, wednesday the Toddcast. Yeah. the Toddcast. I think that's a really cool name, don't you? The Toddcast. Uh, so, uh, uh, so that's going to be launching this Wednesday on our YouTube channel, and this Wednesday we're chatting. So it's the kind of thing. It'll be on the YouTube, it'll also be on the Spotify, and also on every means by which a podcast can be podcasted. The Toddcast will be podcasted and Toddcasted to the world. If that makes sense, I don't even know what I'm talking about here, but. This Wednesday, uh, midweek podcast, uh, and uh, we're talking about this subject. Asking the question: Are you struggling with PPT? See, somebody says, well, "What's PPT? What's that?" Post-pandemic trauma. We're we'll going to be talking about that because uh, this is the big, uh, like, thing that nobody's talking about, and I think we need to talk about it. So, like, we're, we've come out of the weirdest 18 months ever. So, we want to really, like. Uh, Think about uh, the impact of the pandemic and how we can emerge from this with, uh, you know, good mental health and good physical health and so on. So that's a Wednesday. Keep an eye on the YouTube channel, and you can find out all about that. Over the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about uh, this on this sermon series theme: "United We Stand." United We Stand. That's the theme. And this week, I want to talk on the sub-theme I choose, and I'll explain that in a moment. Now this teaching series over the next three weeks about unity uh, is not born out of some kind of crisis, you know, uh, you always know that some old pastor's on maneuvers you know, when they strike up a teaching series on unity and all the seasoned members of church think, so, oh, one or two divisions go on in that church then, so that's the reason why they're talking about that. Well, I'm pleased to let you know there's a wonderful sense of unity, actually, in the Junction Church. There has been for a very long time, and we're very delighted to see what God's doing. So this is not addressing uh, like a crisis. This, this is talking about principle, actually. And this is talking about something that I believe the Bible really wants us to understand the heart of God about. This is conviction rather than crisis. I think it's very important for us to understand as well that we have an enemy. Uh, and the enemy, he is a divider. You always know that the enemy is at work because the enemy brings division. That's what the enemy does. Um, and uh, so we, we must always be alert To what the enemy's trying to do. I think what often the enemy of our soul tries to do is that he tries to use even trivial things to cause like major uh, divisions in people's lives, things that don't really matter that much in the end. I've heard about churches being like divided because uh, one group of people wanted the piano over here, and then one one group of people wanted the piano over here, and so this caused a great uh, church division, and I thought, well, just wreck the piano you know sell it on the ebay you know that'd be doing more good because really we can do better than that and we've got to be alert to what the enemy's trying to do i think um, in the past 18 months there has been a post-traumatic trauma ptt we're going to talk about that on uh, on wednesday but i i think that there is an impact of that we'll talk more about this and um, and um for example a lot of people who are involved in customer service uh, jobs um, are noticing increasing levels of irritability with people. People are losing their temper over this and that and the other thing much more quickly than what they would have lost it before the pandemic. And we've got to be careful of that. Again, check your own heart on that. Are you irritable? Now, I, I can be very irritable when I'm on the road, especially. Not fa- I don't mind fast drivers. It's slow drivers that really wind me up. So, I've I got to watch that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing is with the grace of God, and here's the deal. If you don't, uh, if you receive it, I'm talking about the grace of God now. If you receive it, but you don't extend it to others, then effectively you nullify the grace of God in your own life. Serious thought. That's a big statement, Pastor Rod. Do you have chapter and verse for that? Yep, I do. <laughs> matthew 18 21 35 again don't have time to talk about this in any kind of depth but you can read about it for yourself it's the parable of the unforgiving servant he was forgiven much personally but then he refused to forgive somebody else and of course god's message and all of that is really he nullified the grace of God in his own life 1 Corinthians 11 another famous passage it's all to do with communion and how we should prepare our hearts when we come to the table of the Lord and he says listen the only one thing that stops you partaking of the table of the Lord is that if you come with unforgiveness in your heart how can you how can you partake of like symbols of bread and wine a broken body and shed blood that was all about forgiving you if you're not willing to forgive somebody else that nullifies the impact of the grace of God in your life. So those are things for us to be aware of. This is a time for us to lean into God's grace. That's why church is important. That's why being here is important because some old pastor can challenge you about this stuff. Where, where else are you gonna hear this? You know, And, and actually it's, it is important for us to be aware of this. There's an old saying that says that united we stand divided we fall. It's an old saying, but it's very true. And actually, coming out of this uh, pandemic, the past 18 months, I think that it's um, more important than ever that we understand that, especially in light of what the enemy would want to do. It's very important that we understand that unity is important. United we stand, we go places, Well, a house divided against itself cannot stand, says the scripture. So uh, Psalm 133 tells us, and here's the key text uh, we're talking about today, Psalm 133, how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And then it goes on to give all kinds of uh, metaphors and examples, and the psalm ends that when there is unity, that is where God commands blessing. And I want you to notice the strength of that. When there is unity, when brothers dwell together in unity, that is where God commands blessing. In other words, God has obliged himself. When he sees genuine oneness of heart, he says, before you even show up, I've blessed you already. Where there is unity, when brothers dwell together in unity, that is where God commands blessing. Now, here's the challenge. I think sometimes in Christian circles when we hear about unity, there can be a lack of authenticity to it because unity has got to be authentic. It's the authentic oneness of heart and purpose, but it's got to be authentic. I think sometimes as Christians, we think that unity is about having united church gatherings. Now, I'm, you know, fine, but we shouldn't, I think, big those up bigger than what they are. Because I think sometimes Christians think if we we just get all the churches together for a big united meeting, then the world will take notice and then revival will come. The problem is the world's watching Netflix. And this doesn't get the world's attention. So we can have all the unity meetings in the world, not that there's anything wrong in those meetings themselves, but there's got to be more to unity than that. And I find sometimes as well that unity can be a bit tokenistic. A bit uh, and lacking authenticity, tokenistic, and, and uh, a little bit pretentious as well. I remember preaching at a conference, and, I, and I'm only using this illustration to sort of emphasize we don't want to go there, we want to go there. Yeah. Right? I was speaking at a conference a few years ago. I was one of many speakers, actually. And uh, anyway, I was in the green room. And why is it that the green room is never green? I've, I've, that's one of the mysteries of life but anyway that's a you know different uh, issue but anyway I'm in the green room and there was a, a, a guy in the green and he'd been speaking the night before at this conference and he would brought this incredible message on unity this message genuinely touched my heart I thought wow wow talking about unity big rallying cry imploring God's people come on let's be one i thought wow anyway i'm in the green room the next day and i'm i'm preparing for a seminar that i'm speaking at, at this conference and i'm around the corner I'm, I'm in like a little quiet reclusive corner doing a bit of work on my laptop the guy who brought the message the night before he's there with a bunch of people around him and i'm thinking this is a different guy because the guy who brought this incredible message the night before what's he doing he's lagging everybody off He's dissing people. He's dissing somebody else who spoke at the conference. I was trying to work out, is it me? But I worked out it wasn't, so I was relieved about that. (laughs) But he was like like dissing people. He was like speaking badly of people. He was like criticizing. He was criticizing this and criticizing that. And I was eavesdropping, but I couldn't help it because it was loud conversation. So this was not Satan. Are you with me here? (laughs) It's eavesdropping and you can't help it that's fine god forgives that. It's when you eavesdrop and you can't help it then integrity is questioned but but I, I remember walking out of that room and thinking what was that about i mean how does that work so one minute like pretentiously come on let's be un-, but the next minute when nobody seems to be looking like dissing and slagging off and criticizing and saying little comments that are designed to undermine i thought nah i don't want that i don't want that if we're going to have it let's have the real deal yeah. And I I want something that's real and something that's true. And for unity to be true, it has to be genuine. And it can't be forced. And it can't be faked either. It's got to be real. I think that if I've emerged from this pandemic with anything I think that I've emerged with a greater conviction in my own heart than ever before of the need for real deal genuine unity of heart unity of purpose what is it going to do it's going to protect us from the schemes of the devil that's who we're sending a message to the world the world doesn't doesn't really care that much I tell you who does care the enemy of our souls really cares because he knows the power when God's people stand together Psalm 133 look at that how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity and brothers there by the way brothers is not it's not really getting at the idea of gender brothers and sisters, but actually it's it's not even getting at the idea of biology either. This This is not to do with biological brothers. The idea here is when the family of God, in other words, we're not necessarily biologically linked. The only thing that links us is the blood of Jesus Christ in a New Testament sense. So when the family of God, how pleasant it is when the family of God are together in unity. When the people who should be together actually genuinely are together there's great blessing that flows there god commands blessing what an amazing thought well unity is more than an event that we attend It's a culture we carry unity is not an event it's a culture and i want us to get that and this has implications for your home life for your family life for your marriage for your friendships this is about a heart and culture needs to be carried in our hearts. So what does that mean? It means that I can't control what other people say and what other people do and how other people behave. I learned that a long time ago as a pastor, and I'm so glad I learned that lesson. Uh, The idea of controlling leadership just doesn't work anyway. There's no such thing. It doesn't work. People are people. So The idea of trying to control people is the most futile attempt on the planet. So unity can't be forced. Unity can't be like hoisted and foisted on people. No, 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 no. Unity is something that only we can example and model ourselves. I can't control what people say. I can't control how other people behave. I can't control what other people do. But I can control what I say and I can control what I do yeah. and I can control how I conduct myself in my life and so therefore the challenge for me and for every one of us as individuals is how can I live in a way that is genuine that is real and that actually examples to others how we can actually live as one and 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 be unified. This, Applies in home life and church life and office life wherever uh, you can think about it So you can't control others, but you can't control yourself You can't control what anybody else says, but you can control what you say. So how can you as an individual? live in a way that is genuinely conducive to bringing unity because you want to bring unity in your family, right you want to bring unity in your relationships, right? You want to bring unity in your friendships. So what do we need to do and say and how do we need to conduct ourselves that is, that is going to be conducive to unity? Well, I've got 10 things that I want to share with you. And these are very personal. These are 10 choices that I've made after 18 months of a global pandemic. And let's say if they hit home with you and let's see if they challenge you as well. Here's 10 choices that I've made because I want to be a good example, and I want to be a guy who, who brings a sense of unity everywhere I go. So here's 10 choices I've made, and you'll see them on the screen for everybody watching, and for everybody in the room, you should see them on the screen behind me there as well. Number one, 10 choices. Number one, I choose to speak well of others, not gossip about them. I choose to speak well. I choose to look for the good, rather than look for the bad. I choose to to latch on to anything that is worth latching on to that's good. My old grandfather used to say to me, listen, if there's 99% about a person's life that's wrong, focus on the 1% that's right. And then I'd say to him, and what if it's 100% wrong? He said, then make something up. (laughs) So I'm going to focus on on the good stuff and i'm going to choose to speak well it's not it's not necessarily a reflection of them it's a reflection of my heart towards them that's the issue so i'm going to speak well of people i'm not going to gossip gossip's an awful thing by the way isn't it yeah. have you ever walked into an, an atmosphere that's just full of gossip and you you can always tell people smart people can tell because um you know you walk out of the room and you you just you get a you get a vibe you get a sense oh my word and then you walk back into the room, and one of two things happens. Number one, either the conversation stops, or number two, the, con- the conversation has just started, and you know they've just started that because I've walked into the room, so they're changing the subject. Because if, if, if I'd been out, it should have been more progressed than that. Okay, you can get paranoid about these things, but the point is, gossip's awful. And I know that you get gossip at work and you get gossip at school and you get gossip in the office and you get gossip even in family life but you know as Christians I I want us to dare like to change that and I want us to dare to believe that instead of gossip instead of speaking badly of people we're gonna choose to speak well I want this to be a safe place I want people to know when you walk out of the room when I'm there I'm not gonna dish you I'm gonna have your back and if I hear somebody dissing you, I'm going, to, I'm going to latch on to the good stuff that I know about you. Remember somebody did that years ago at the Junction Church. They wanted to diss like one of the, somebody who was a part of our church. and I said, no, 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 this is a good person. Good person who serves God. Yeah, got quirks and irks and like everybody else, but don't we all? But but they love Jesus, and and, and I love this person. And I think that that's the thing. You know, when people know that you speak well of others, they they trust you. They know, hang on, nothing can get through you, can it? And more importantly of all, the devil knows, I can't get anything through you, can I? You really annoy me, and you want to really annoy the devil. So speak well. Number one, you want to be conducive to a culture of unity in your home life, and your family life, and church life, speak well of people. Get yourself into the habit. You know what some people need to do? You need to, you need to go through a, a season of fasting. Yeah. But I, I'm not talking about food fasting. You can eat as much as you want. I'm just talking about fasting being negative. Yeah. Yeah. Just fast. Just fast being negative. You're not allowed to be negative tomorrow. Monday morning, you wake up, not allowed to be negative. I'm not, I'm not allowed to. I'm fasting being negative. It's going to big up the good stuff. Watch the difference it makes in your life. I dare, I dare somebody to try that. Okay, let's move on to the next point. <laughs> Number two, here's another choice I've made. I'm choosing to believe the best, not the worst. That's a choice. Again, that's conducive to unity. I choose to believe the best. What does that do? It builds trust. But if I choose to believe the worst about this and that and the other thing, and I choose to believe the worst about people, what does that do? Creates suspicion. And there's a big uh, misunderstanding in the Christian world between discernment and suspicion. I operate in the gift of discernment. No, you don't. You're just a suspicious carnal idiot. Speak English, You're, you couldn't discern your way out of a paper bag. You have no discernment going on. You're a conspiracy theorist you love the idea of the little bit of power because you feel different but you're as carnal as it gets you with me so there's a massive difference and by the way it is not discerning of people let's let's get a little bit of theology correct here gifts of the spirit it is discerning of spirits not discerning of people you see it knows what spirit is at work Whereas suspicion is a culture, and that's an awful culture, and the Holy Spirit hates it. The Holy Spirit's like a dove, and when he sees God's people acting in a suspicious way, he, un- he knows there's no faith going on there. All it is is suspicion. Whereas what I want to do is I want to believe the best of people. Even if uh, somebody messes up, I'm going to choose to believe the best. I'm going to choose to believe the best. I've done this numerous times in my life. It doesn't mean that every person ends up being successful. Some people make mistakes in the pay a very long price for it but i've also seen great examples of just continuing to believe in people even when they mess it up and the holy spirit does his work and there's a little bit of grace of in their lives and then they get up and they realize okay i can't i can't stay like that i don't even have to like say a lot of stuff and then they get up and they go on to do amazing things for god i'm going to choose to believe the best i tell you what does wonders for your sanity if you spend your whole life being suspicious then it does terrible things to your sanity. Cause you're just, you're like, you're trying to second guess everybody and trying to read behind, between the lines of everything and this and that, you don't wanna live like that. You just don't wanna live like that. You wanna believe the best about people, not the worst. Can you say amen to this today? I'm preaching good here and I hope all the people who are watching online, I hope there's lots of emojis going on there because I'm telling you, this message is a strong message, but this is an important message. Number three, I choose to build up, not run down. I'm choosing to be a builder, not a wrecker. Any fool can be a wrecker. Easy to do it. Easy to do it. It's easy to pull stuff down. But you know, what are you going to put in its place? Easy to deconstruct, but what are you going to construct? I want to be constructive. I want to be a builder. I want to say something that's going to build people. Build up people's faith build up people's expectations build up people's relationship with God I don't want to be a wrecker that says stuff that undermines God's house and and, and faith and the importance of having strong expect expectations no I want to be a builder that's a choice and I tell you what when you get a culture of people who are builders they build faith they build expectation. You walk out of the room and you know, I, I've met with God in that place today because there God commands blessing. I'm preaching good and I'm sitting down. You, you really ought to be excited about this. I haven't even stood up yet. When I stand up, that's the really anointed part. So I choose to build, not to run down. I'm not going to criticize. I'm going to just build and build and build and build and build number four I choose to encourage not discourage I just choose to encourage people I just choose to do that I'm, I'm gonna my aim at the Junction Church if you want me to say well, what is your role at the at the Junction Church I am the CEO of the Junction Church what's the CEO I am the chief encouragement officer cheesy cheesy encouragement officer I'm the CEO I do Jesus and Jesus in this church well I'm of an age now I can do that but I, I, I want to be I want to be a great encourage. I want people to walk away from me feeling great Somebody says, well that, you know that's uh, that's carnal what what do you think it's spiritual for people to be around you and go away feeling rubbish feeling condemned feeling guilt-ridden feeling like awful oh I'm just not good enough do you think that you really think that that does something for faith do you really think that by a lot of judgment, a lot of condemnation, people walk away from you feeling, okay, I'm going to get closer. Do you. you really think that's going to work? Listen, my, my experience is if I encourage people and I, and I have a little bit of faith in the work of the Holy Spirit who I learned a long time ago does a lot better job of being God than I ever could, then that makes a big difference. So I choose to encourage, not discourage. No, no relationship will ever thrive or flourish in an atmosphere that lacks affirmation. No, no relationship, no marriage will ever thrive in an atmosphere like that. No friendship will ever thrive in an atmosphere like that. No, no relationship in any form will ever thrive if there's not encouragement. Hey, you're great. Appreciation, that's what encouragement is. It's, it's the expression of appreciation it's the expression of listen I and as Christians it's the recognition that the grace of God's in your life. I'm going to encourage. And I'm going to encourage you to become what God's called you to be. I'm not going to discourage and I'm not going to speak badly. I'm going to be an encourager. Number 5, I choose the language of faith, not fear. I think that's how you build unity in your family, in your household, in your workplace. Just keep speaking the language of faith. What does the language of faith do? Stands to reason, builds trust. You keep speaking faith. Now, when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about false positivity. Because that doesn't work for anybody. Uh, because you can only sustain that for so long. I'm, Lydia and I, we were in America a few years ago, a long time ago. And uh, when we were, we were in this hotel, and there was this lady who said, if you go to this place, you'll get half price tickets to Disneyland. So we said, well, let's do it. What we didn't know was it was a timeshare presentation. And I don't know if any of you've ever sat through any one of those uh, timeshare presentations, but they go on and on and on and on. And everything about it was like, I mean, they were clearly trained, but it was false positivity. Remember one of one of the people said to the other, another day in paradise. And I thought, give me the sick bag because that's just not real. And then I remember the guy, like, uh, you know, he was trying to paint the picture of the dream that if I buy this timeshare. And by the way, the whole thing's a big con as well. Nobody ever buy a timeshare. It's a waste of money. Anyway, uh, you know, so this guy said to me, uh, he said to me, let me paint a picture. He said, if you could vacation anywhere in this world, where would you vacation? Let's think about England. Where is your favorite vacation vacate in England? and i lydia was like uh, you know mortified by my answer i said well there's this amazing place called skegness <laughs> and if i could just move there that would be the dream for me skeg skeg were skegness skegness yeah well imagine having that dream here and i thought yeah whatever we, we, we got our we got our free tickets but we, we could know we're half price tickets we couldn't wait to get out of there quickly enough because it was like false positivity it wasn't real again for unity to be." authentic it's got to be real and it's got to be carried in the reality of life even in the tough times I choose the language of faith even when it hurts I choose to trust God that's real faith not being positive thinking oh thank God for these wonderful problems that I'm having in my life you know I don't like these problems but I choose to trust God anyway no matter what's going on that's, that's real for that's authentic faith that's the kind of faith that will build up a culture of unity number six I choose to honor, not dishonor, oh boy. I just choose to, my honor is not meritorious. That's where the honor system gets it so badly wrong, discredited because people get honored on the basis of their achievements. But biblical honor is not like that. Biblical honor says, I honor you, not because of what you have or haven't done, but because it's a reflection of my heart, not yours. So you could be a scoundrel and I can still honor you. That's honor. It's nothing to do with you or what you've done. It's my heart. By the way, the lack of honor was the reason for no miracles in Nazareth. No honor, no miracles. People say, why do we not see more of the miraculous? People think of England. Why do we not see more of the miraculous? Because our culture is steeped in dishonor. It's default. It's a default. You look at it. You look at social media. Dishonor. You look on the local area Facebook chat. When was the last time you heard somebody say, I love this town, it's amazing? No, what you're going to read is, what scumbag stole my bin the other day? And that's that's one of the nicer ones as well. Have you looked at any of those? You think, yeah, because that's culture, that's default. But as Christians, if we're talking like that, we're just worldly. What's the difference between that and what? So we've got to model something that's different. We've got to model a culture of honor that actually chooses to honor God's grace in other people's lives wish I had more time to talk about that. And that's the first time I've ever said scumbag when I've preached. Can you say amen to this today? A little little moment of history there in the junction church. That word's never been used before. It's a powerful word. I'll be careful how I use that one in future as well. Number seven, I choose to fight for people, not against them. I'm not going to fight against people. What's the point of that? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, Ephesians 6. We we wrestle not against flesh. The enemy wants to fool God's people into thinking that we are each other's enemies. But Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of this terrible world, this sinful world in which we're living in. No, I'm going to fight for people. I'm gonna fight for people. I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm Irish. I'm gonna fight for a generation. Yeah. I remember when you came in, when Fraser both came into this, I, I thought I'm gonna fight. Are you with me? I'm gonna fight for the scoundrel. I'm gonna fight for the guy. I'm gonna fight for people. I want, I'm not gonna fight against people. I'm not gonna fight against the system. I'm gonna fight for people. Yes. I'm going to fight for for God to do amazing things and that's a culture of unity when we're all fighting for and it's a positive fight in that sense not a negative one boy the enemy hates that number eight I choose hope not cynicism I choose hope I choose not to be cynical even uh, in the disappointments of life I choose not to be cynical I choose hope even if it didn't go right there well God's good that's my theology God is good, if you wanna sum up Roy Todd's theology, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, just because God is good all the time doesn't mean life is good all the time, because we live in a fallen world, but nevertheless, God is good all the time, so therefore, I trust in God's goodness, even if, you know, there are earths, facts, but there is heaven's truth, and there's something always higher than the facts, it's called the truth, and God is good all the time. And I'm choosing hope, not cynicism. Nine. Oh boy, I wish I had more time to talk on this one. I choose forgiveness, not offense. You want to live in unity? You want to live at one and have a genuine oneness? Then I'm going to live in forgiveness. I'm not going to live in offense, with offense. I'm not going to live like with an offended heart. I'm going to break the power that offense tries to gain over my life. I could now tell you, as I'm sure many of us could, t- I could tell you stories as a pastor of how often I've been offended. I mean, uh, people making all kinds of personal comments in the past, and, uh, you know, people say, uh, uh, you know, ministry's easy, and, uh, you know, you don't really understand real life. I tell you, some of the things, if I, if I were to write a book and, I, and tell you the stories, you know, you probably wouldn't even be surprised because you know about it already, but you know what i'm i'm making a decision in my heart i'm not going to live with an offended heart not going to live like that not doing it i'm going to live in in god's forgiveness and i'm i'm going to i've received it i'm going to i'm going to extend it i'm going to i'm, I'm not going to excuse bad behavior forgiving is not about excusing poor behavior there are, some, there are some behavior patterns you need to get away from, especially if they're toxic. So I'm not talking about excusing bad behavior. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. What he was not saying, Father, excuse them. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't, when he said, Father, forgive them, he wasn't actually talking about them. He was saying, here's my heart. No matter what's going on in their heart, here's my heart. They haven't even got a clue what they're doing, but I know what my heart's like father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing this is my heart forgiveness on the cross and that's what happens when the grace of god gets an impact makes an impact on your life you don't live in the offense no you live in god's forgiveness and number 10 finally done number 10 i choose to be more generous not less no matter how disappointing life is no matter what's going on around me i'm not going to batten down the hatches and like uh you know keep on and hold on to what's mine i remember you know when the pandemic broke uh, or what's the word broke or was unleashed started hit whatever the word is give us the word online or whatever it is and uh we had a choice as a church we had a choice we we had to make a choice what are we going to do so we, we did online at that time because we weren't allowed to meet but what are we going to do and, and we made a decision God challenged us, be generous during all of this, be generous. So that's exactly what we did. As a church, we sought to be generous, not to hold back and think, right, we don't know what the financial situation is going to be, so let's hold on to everything we've got and not give anything away to anybody. Let's just observe it, and then maybe in 18 months we'll look at uh, giving. But we thought, no, let's do it now, step of faith. So we began to support people. We supported NHS workers. We supported families that were in need. We uh, give uh, care packages to, uh, you know, to care homes. Uh, we uh, we gave to 15 different schools. Supported thousands of kids with well-being packs, plus a whole bunch of other stuff behind the scenes. We've just started All Stars which is like a stay and play thing it's so inexpensive that moms and dads can make it there Uh, and it was packed out by the way the last Friday statement of generosity we're not here to make a lot of money we're here to bless you and that's the kingdom that's that's how you get a culture of unity in your home to be generous be generous with what you've got with your money yep yep be generous but also with your words with your actions, with your deeds. So, in bringing this message to an end, and I hope that it's meant something to you today, I want to encourage you remember, unity is not an event, it's a culture that you carry. Be the example that you want other people to follow. You be the example. Don't look for another example. You be the example. Watch out for the little foxes that spoil the vine, careless words thoughtless words you say a little careless word it undermines somebody it criticizes and it's totally out of proportion most of the time that's the that's the challenge with criticism it's not that it's not valid but it's disproportionate like what about all the good stuff that's going on what why is that little bit of criticism so disproportionate? why is it that they don't ever hear criticism where's where, where when have you ever spoken encouragement when has an email ever come through saying this is amazing what God's doing why are we so quick to send emails of complaint instead of emails of what about it just a genuine encouragement to people if we got that kind of culture going on we wouldn't just change left we change the world revivals really easy it's not difficult not complicated You've got to be the example that others want to follow I want to encourage you to choose to be a unifier not a divider be aware of the tactics of the enemy and let's trust God like never before thanks for listening so well would you like to stand to your feet and I wanted to bring you a little bit of teaching today this is the first of three parts so I wanted to open this up today we'll really get into it next week are you with me and for everybody who's watching online if, if this has meant something to you today come on share it how has God challenged you articulate it how has god challenged you today what are you going to do what, do, what, do, what about your choice i've made my choice does it mean i'm always going to get it right nope there will be times when i'll get it really wrong but i'm going to keep working on me and i'm going to keep honing my choices so that they're godly choices so that when i walk into a room i can be a unifier so that i can be a builder not a wrecker so that I can speak life not death power of life and death is in the tongue what we speak builds the culture our words matter sticks and stones may break my bones names never harm me whoever said that probably needs to slap because words are far more powerful than physical hurt and words can be used abusively to run people down or words can be spoken in a way that builds people up and I'm choosing to be a builder and I want to encourage all of us to be like that. So in your family life, and your personal life, and your friendship groups, come on, get into the habit. Speak well. Speak, speak life. Speak the sense of God's Word. That's not about quoting lots of Bible verses to each other because that would be an on-rail conversation when you're going along on the 62 bus in the morning. John 3:16, you know, they're just quoting verses back at each other, the world watching, thinking, yeah, they're mad. It's got to be real, it's got to be authentic. What about the real? Grit of your everyday conversations. How are you building unity? How are you being a builder? Well, this has been challenging today. I've gone on longer than what I should, but uh, if you're at home, the great thing is that uh, all you need to do now is go into the kitchen and lunch is ready, because you've probably been making it. Uh, but uh, come on, let's take the challenge of God's word on board. Would you close your eyes? Father, I pray today that um, we'll take up the challenge of this word. And what i've said today i believe it's really important it's really important this is not just another little message but this is really important because uh, this is flying in the face of the enemy of our souls who wants to bring derision and division but we choose to put up a protective shield over our not only our church family but over our family marriages, relationships, friendships, and we choose to speak life. And I pray that we'll make decisions in our own lives this week that will be conducive to building a culture of great unity that the enemy cannot break through. I pray, Lord, that that you would use us to change the world. And how does that happen? Well, we change our world I change my world. And if I can change my world, then we might stand a chance of changing the world. We give you praise. We give you worship in Jesus' name.